0: So as we pick this up, we, we looked at last week, if you weren't here or, or just uh, haven't listened yet, uh, we talked about Jesus performing this, this crazy miracle uh, where he and his disciples are walking and they see this man who's been blind since birth, and, and, and there's this discussion that starts over uh, who sinned. His disciples ask him, Jesus, who sinned? Did, did he or his parents and it really brought to the surface this uh, theological thought that, uh, that people had in those days that, that if something uh, happened to you or physically uh, you were dealing with uh, some kind of uh, disease or, or, or anything, essentially, it was because you deserved it. And so Jesus reframes that um, and, and says, listen, that, that is not at all why this man is blind. In fact... Uh, this is ultimately about my glory. And and so uh, he kind of turns their thinking upside down, uh, and he ends up healing this man, right? He, he spits in the ground, in the mud, makes some clay, puts it in his eyes, says, go wash. The guy washes. He comes back, and he can see. It's amazing. And, and even after that miracle, people are his neighbors, we read about, the people that knew him because he was a beggar. They, they're, they're like, is that him? That can't be him. There's no way that just happened. And so we even see uh, dissension among the people that knew him uh, because they can't reconcile in their minds this miracle, that it could actually happen. And so what we're going to pick up on today is how uh, they go, this is above our pay grade. We don't know how to make sense of this, so we're going to take him to the people that should know what to do, the religious leaders. And so in verses 13 through 19 of chapter 9, we see this. It says, They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? There was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? So once again, the people who are surrounding this, this, this man who had been blind, who Jesus heals, uh, they're like, we don't know how to reconcile this. So, so they go and they take him to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and, and, and they bring him before them. And so they start to ask him questions. What happened? Were you actually blind? And, and, and how is it that you can see now? So he proceeds to tell them, listen, Jesus, uh, you know, spit in the ground, did that, put it in my eyes. I walked around, uh, washed it off in the pool of shalom, came back. I could see. That's the story. Okay, And, and, and we see that in his response or in their response, the religious leader's response to him, we see this bias that they already have against Jesus, right? we see that that already uh, they're they're criticizing Jesus, saying there's no way that Jesus is from God, that he did this power uh, from God's authority. Because why? Because this miracle was done on the Sabbath, and Jesus broke the rules of the Sabbath. Now, the rules that they're claiming Jesus broke are not the divinely given rules, the rules from God. These are rules that they have added. That they, these rabbis had had added over time, it was ridiculous, to the point where it literally uh, they considered kneading like kneading dough. That was I don't know if that's how you do it. So just just laugh and whatever. I don't think I've maybe I have. I maybe a long time ago my mom showed me how to knead dough. I don't know. Some of you are bread makers. Don't criticize. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, uh, but that was even considered forbidden on the Sabbath, and they looked at what he was doing in the mud as needing, okay? Also, uh, you were not supposed to help provide healing for somebody else unless their life was in immediate danger, which he was blind, Uh, it wasn't. And so we see them uh, and and their logic uh, behind not believing Jesus coming from God is that if he was from God, he would not break the rules of the Sabbath. That's their thinking, okay? Okay? But, but we actually see a disagreement, right? Because there's other Pharisees who are actually saying, no, how in the world, if he is a sinner, how could he perform such a miracle? Nobody could perform this miracle unless it was from God. And so this this literally this division uh, builds within this religious group, just as it had when we looked at last week with those that were followers, uh, those that, that knew the blind man. And so they're debating and they're trying to reconcile what to make of this and to the point where they turned back to the man who had been blind and they said, who do you say he is? What do you think about him? And, and, and what is his response? He says, he's a prophet. In other words, he's clearly sent by God. And then we read that despite the evidence, now remember, the evidence is literally staring at them in the face, that despite the evidence, the Jews, these religious leaders, they didn't believe that he'd been blind and had received sight. In spite of everything, They're they're, they're walking away from this going, nope, you were not really blind. This didn't actually happen. And so now their goal is to what? It's to disprove that the miracle even happened. So what do they do? We're going to go find his parents. His parents will tell us the truth. And so they go and they find his parents. And and when they find uh, his parents, they ask, hey, uh, is your son so-and-so? Yes. Was he born blind? Yes, he was. Well, he can see now. How did that happen? How does he see? Well, they're going to they're gonna go under their, their response here in a minute. In verse 20, it says this. His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age we will speak, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Okay, so, so they confirm the truth. The Pharisees are like, hey, is this your son? Yes. Was he blind? Yes. How did this happen? we don't really know. We don't really know how it happened, but it's happened, and we don't know who did it, okay? Just so we're clear, we don't know who did it. Now, what are mommy and daddy doing right there? They're lying, okay? They're lying. Why are they lying? Well, we see how verse 22 is an important editorial comment by John because he gives the reason for their dishonesty. They're afraid of what? They're afraid that because of Jesus and because by claiming who did it, they're giving authority to Jesus, they're afraid that they're gonna be sent out of the synagogue. In other words, excommunicated, cut off from the religious and social life in Israel, which to them was the worst possible scenario. There's no way that they could allow that to happen. And so they're willing to lie and essentially leave their son out to dry over that. But the Pharisees, they're stuck with this problem, right? So now it's been confirmed. Okay, so now we can't deny that, that that this man was born blind, that this man now has sight. Uh, so, so what are we gonna do now? They're, they're, they're literally stuck in what's the next move. And so we read in verses 24 through 34, it says, so for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Yeah, that ticked him off. You know, I read that, and I was like, me and this dude would be friends, okay? There's certain people in Scripture you go, we would totally hang out in real life, totally, okay? That's just how I feel. Uh, And then it says, and they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. They can't dispute that this miracle has happened. But in some way, they have to make it to where Jesus can't get credit because for Jesus to get credit means it's from God. It means that Jesus has been telling the truth. It means that he's the Messiah. So what what are we going to do? So so they're like, hey, let's bring this guy that was blind. Let's bring him back. And let's let's really ask him this time. And, and they use this phrase after they bring him back. They say, "With God as your witness." Okay, with with, with God as well. Actually, they don't say that. They they use this other language. What what, what do they say? They 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 they're telling them to give glory to God. Right now, what they're actually saying when they say "give glory to God" is they're actually saying, "With God as your witness, tell the truth." We see the same wording used in the book of Joshua uh, when they're confronting a guy named Achan. With God as your witness, tell the truth. So he's not saying, hey, let's all give glory to God right now. They're saying, with God as your witness, tell us the truth. And then they say, this man is a sinner. He's a sinner. Okay. Now, now, what they're hoping is that this man will validate that claim, that he'll agree with them, because if they can just get him to agree to that statement, it will discredit Jesus's claims in spite of the miracle. So they're trying anything at this point. Guys, one of the things that's so clear right here in, in this, in this part of the passage is we see the deceptive power of sin. We see the deceptive power of sin. It's twisted their minds so much that they can't see things clearly. Right? It's it's twisted their minds so much that they're willfully choosing, forcing themselves to believe that this didn't actually happen. You guys, sin, it, it causes confusion. It will bring confusion in your life. Okay. There's so many people uh, that that will tell me about what they're what they're what they're struggling with, or or, or they're feeling confused, and 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 ultimately, a lot of times in our confusion, it points to something in our life that we're holding on to that is in that is literally in opposition to God. We know that we shouldn't do it. We know it shouldn't be a part of our life, a part of our family, but we're choosing to continue to do it. And the longer we hold on to that, you got to understand, the more the enemy is going to use that to deceive your heart, deceive your mind, deceive your ears so that you can't see or hear or think clearly because whatever this is, has control. These, these religious leaders, okay, the, the ones that are the representation of God to the people, that's where they're at, okay, this is how far they've gone, those who knew scripture, it's how far they've gone, they've been so deceived by this sin, and so you guys, we just have to understand and know that sin, by its nature, it causes confusion, By its nature, it's going to bring spiritual ignorance to where you can't even see or identify the things of God. And that is a scary place to be. Because ultimately, we read this and we go, what in the world? How do you get to this place to willfully choose you're not going to believe in what is so obvious? But we see this healed man. He doesn't get caught up in whether Jesus was a sinner or not. In fact, he says, hey, whether he's a sinner or not, I'm going to leave that up to you guys. Okay, you're the theologically trained people. All I know is this. I was blind, but now I see. When you think of the heart of your testimony, that's it. That's it. I once was blind, but now I see. It's the most powerful words in Scripture. I once was blind, but now I see. You know, some of you, You're trying to figure out how to explain all these things and anticipate all these questions that may be asked of you if you share your faith. And in reality, you just just need to be able to say that. You know what? I can't give you all the answers. You know what? There's a lot I don't fully understand. But one thing I know, I once was blind, but now I see. Stuck again, these Pharisees begin to what? Well, that didn't work. Let's ask him again. Okay, let's really ask him this time. So they ask him again. Now, what really happened? What really happened there? And at this point, this man is annoyed. He's just annoyed. And so he sarcastically responds and says, so, you know, you guys really want to know what happened Yeah, like, you really want the truth. So much so, are you guys also wanting to be followers of Jesus? Now, at that point, they lose their minds, right? And they respond by telling him, you are a disciple of Jesus. We are disciples of Moses. We follow Moses. We know where Moses came from. Moses clearly came from God. We have no idea where Jesus came from. And they're not saying that in a hopeful way. It's negative. All their views and perceptions was he's a blasphemer. Uh, he, he hangs out with the lows of lows. Uh, he comes from the wrong side of town. All these things are against him. We don't know where he's come from, but we we follow Moses. And 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 then the man once again responds sarcastically and says, "Wow, really." You guys, the spiritual elite, you don't know where he's come from, and yet he just did a miracle that up until this point has never been recorded, nobody has ever seen or heard of this miracle ever happening in the history of humanity. Nowhere ever has a man been born blind and then given sight. And 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 you guys know it's never happened and you don't know where he's from. Wow. Man, they're ticked. They're unable to respond to that. They're outraged. And so when you don't have a case, what do you do? You attack character. And so they go after him, right? They go after, they literally go after the fact that he was born blind by saying, you are an utter sinner and you dare defy us. You dare talk like that. You dare try and educate us. And what they're alluding to is the very same thing the disciples brought up to Jesus at the beginning of the chapter was, hey, buddy, you were born blind. You deserved it. You did something to earn that. You are a, you're the worst kind of sinner and and you're going to criticize us. You're going to, you're going to talk that way to us. And so they degrade him and then they say, you're out. They excommunicate him. He's kicked out. He's, he's, he's done. They're, they're, like the, the religious, the social standing, the ability to worship with people and gather in that synagogue, it's off the table for him simply because he acknowledged that Jesus had to be from God. Man. Guys, God never promises us that following Jesus will make life easier. It just doesn't. And maybe you've heard that message that that, that it'll solve your problems. Yeah, it solves your greatest problem, but all these other things, like like it's not gonna, it's not, at least I don't think, it's not gonna fix your bank account, right? It's not gonna just fix this, this relationship Right it, it immediately. Now, God can do absolutely anything, but He's very clear over and over in Scripture. In fact, the same writer says in 1 John 3:13, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. <laughs> and later on in John, in John chapter 15, verses 18 through 21, which we're gonna look at in a few months, Jesus says, Listen, they hated me, and you follow me. What do you think is gonna happen? It's gonna be tough. And guys, you just need to know sometimes your faith is going to bring rejection. Sometimes your faith is, is, is going to uh, cause other people to kick you out of their circle. To not want anything to do with you, to dissociate themselves from you. It could be your family, it could be your friends. You could stop uh, g- getting invites to certain things, and and all of that, and, and it could affect your job, and and all all of those things. You guys, those are very real, real realities if you're going to follow Jesus. But my goodness, he is so worth it. But let's go back to this person here, this man. I mean, he goes, he, he literally goes from a beggar, never seen anything. You just imagine what it looks like to see the miracle high of highs, right? Right up here. And then all of a sudden, as he shows himself to his friends revealing the miracle, it causes dissension. No, that, mm, that's not you. I don't know. Let's bring him to the religious leaders. What do they do? No, that's not true. Let's bring him to his his parents. Mom, dad, help me out. Right? The, the, The people that are biologically programmed to help me. So what do they do? Good luck, son. And then ultimately, the religious leaders kick him out. And there he is. Highest of highs. And he's left going, I, I don't understand. How did I how did I land here? Now I'm on the outside again, but I have my sight. What? And, and you just got to imagine the confusion. You got to imagine him asking once again that same question that he must have asked hundreds of times when he was blind. Why? Why now? Why this? How could this be in, in one day? I don't understand, God. What are you doing? And then we read this in verses 35 through 41. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment, I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Remember, after healing this guy, Jesus had disappeared from the narrative. Okay, so so he went, washed, came back. He can see. They're like, where's Jesus? I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and we don't know. Jesus is gone. He's out of the scene, and all of these things happen, but then Jesus hears that this man's been kicked out, and what does it say that Jesus did? It says, Jesus found him. Jesus found him. The man didn't find himself. Jesus found him. And then Jesus asked him the same question that he asks us. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of Man? And then I love this guy's response, because once again, me and him would be friends. He says, who is he? And then he says this. Who is he that I may believe? Did you see? His heart is already there. Uh, God has softened it. He is prepared. He is asking in anticipation to believe. He he wants to believe. This is such a beautiful thing, you guys. I, I want you to understand something. If God is going to call you to share your faith, trust Him because you have no idea how He's already prepared the heart of the person receiving you. You've no idea. And, and, and Jesus did, um, but but Jesus, it, like like this guy, he's already there. You don't know the circumstances that have happened in somebody's life to bring them to the point where they're looking for a reason to believe. And this guy, as Jesus says, hey, are you, are you ready? Do, do you want to put your faith, your hope, and trust uh, in the Messiah? And, and he's literally going, point him out to me because I want to believe. And then Jesus says, man, he's in front of you. It's his mouth that's moving right now. It's me. And the man believes, and it says he immediately worshiped. Man, I wonder what that moment was like. He believes and instantly begins to worship Jesus. Then Jesus says these words, for judgment I came into this world. I don't know if you heard that and you're like, wait a second. I thought he came into the world to save the world, not judge the world. That's what he said in chapter three. What in the world? Well, what he's alluding to here, he's not contradicting what he said in chapter three, but what he's saying is those who reject him are condemning themselves. Those who reject him are condemning themselves. Why? Because by Jesus coming to earth, it brought about a decision. And ultimately, he says, listen, I came to save, but, but just by me being here, there are people that by turning away from me, by saying, I don't want anything to do with you, they're actually condemning themselves. And, and then he goes into this whole, once again, this, this, this sight versus, versus blindness. And he says spiritual sight comes only to those who what, who acknowledge that they can't see. So spiritual sight is for those who are, are ready to acknowledge that they can't see. It's, it's those who uh, are in that place where they can confess their spiritual blindness. It's those people that are actually ready to receive the light of the world. And then he, he goes on the other hand, Those who think they see on their own, apart from a relationship with Jesus, they deceive themselves, and they're actually the ones that are blind. Now, once again, Jesus is big time, okay? He's not just a one-hit wonder with this miracle. He's been doing lots of other miracles, and so he's not alone anymore, Okay, he's got crowds all the time. people following him, whether it's genuine they want to follow him or they're skeptics hoping to get an opportunity to catch him. And, And we see they're listening in on this conversation, right? They're listening to what he's saying to the blind man and they hear him say those words and they approach Jesus and go, hold on a second. Now, you're not saying we're the blind, right? You're not talking about us. See, those who are blind are the ones who don't realize their need. They think they can see. Those who receive sight are the ones who know they're in darkness. And the Pharisees are the ones that thought they could see. They thought they could see the best. They had it all together in their minds. They had arrived. They were the ones that walked in, that everyone went, okay, they have it together. They're the ones that God really, really loves. They're the ones that he really blesses. And they're the ones ultimately that we brought this blind man to because they can make sense of this because they're so close with God. These Pharisees, man, they had everyone fooled. But in reality, there was incredible blindness where in their heart because they had never dealt with anything that was in their heart. Everything was external. And Jesus' point, and, and man, you need to hear this point this morning. His point to these Pharisees, these Pharisees who represent everything he's against. This is what, this is, this is his point. If they would just confess that they were spiritually blind, they'd have no sin. Do you see that? They'd have no sin. And doesn't mean they would never make a mistake, it doesn't mean they're perfect, but, but what is he talking about? He's saying because they would be forgiven, their sins would be covered. If they could just get to that point, if they could just humble themselves, if they could be honest with where their heart's actually at, they would be completely forgiven. Do not miss the heart of Jesus. Don't miss it, you guys. He's saying this to the very people who we would say are his greatest of enemies. And and, and this is all throughout Scripture. Psalm 32, 5. This is David who sinned a little bit. He says, I acknowledged my sin to you. And I did not cover my iniquity. I didn't cover my guilt. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And what does it say? And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You forgave me. His son Solomon, the apple didn't fall too far from the tree. In Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper kind of goes back to uh, what their whole theology was, right? Like, listen, if, 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 if Jesus is a sinner, it can't be from God because God is not up there, you know, listening to those who are in opposition to his will, right? Like, if, if I am um, living my life in disobedience to him, if I know what's right, if I say I follow him, but I continue to do the very thing he tells me not to do, do you think he's up there saying, oh, Steve, keep talking to me? I love that. No, right? And, 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 so, and so we need to get to the point where we're open, where we're honest, and when we're in that place, we're ready to receive uh, forgiveness. And I love how he talks about, but he who confesses and forsakes him will obtain mercy, he says. And then maybe the most popular of those three, First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. It's the heart of God. Man, that, that you, regardless of your story, your past, your background, that, that, that you, he, he would he would say, if you will just acknowledge your spiritual blindness, if you will acknowledge what you already know to be true about what's going on in your heart, and you will bring that to me, you will find forgiveness, you guys. Forgiveness. See, we we see this warning against this, this, this blindness. Throughout Scripture, blindness is used metaphorically to represent fallen humanity's inability to comprehend divine truth, to comprehend God's truth. And we see it all throughout all throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, Isaiah referred in, in Isaiah 43.8, he referred to, the, to God's people like this. He says, bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. Jeremiah 5.21, he, he says almost the same thing where he says, hear this, O foolish and senseless people, Who have eyes, but see not. Who have ears, but hear not. What do you think he's talking about? Okay, they're not actually like blind. They're spiritually blind. And and, and he's literally talking about, man, you gotta gotta deal with that. Get rid of that. It is robbing you from a relationship with God. It's robbing you from experiencing forgiveness. And you, my friend, are living your life guilt-driven. That's tough. And Jesus, when he comes on the scene, this is what he says to the Pharisees. Matthew chapter 23. He over and over again says this about the Pharisees. And I'll just highlight the things he says. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 16 Woe to you, blind guides. Verse 17, you blind fools. Verse 19, you blind men. Verse 24, you blind guides. And then verse 26, he finishes it off. You blind Pharisee. <laughs> First clean the inside of the cup and the plate and the outside also may be clean. Okay, he's like, you are blind guides. You're fools. And and, and why is, man, why is he so upset? Why is the language even stronger for them? Guys, they're leading other people in that. They're leading other people in that. You want to be a spiritual leader, man, you got to read verses like this and go, okay, I got to take into consideration what I'm leading, how I'm leading. But within all of this, we see the heart of God. We see that after his resurrection and ascension, Jesus sent the apostle Paul to the Gentiles for this very purpose. In Acts 26, 18, he said, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. See, God's people, man, they were in the darkness of sin and unbelief. But Jesus, as we've read over and over again in the book of John, Jesus came to bring them light. But these religious leaders over and over again missed it because they couldn't see their own blindness. Guys, if we want more of Jesus or if you just want a relationship with Jesus, you have to recognize your need for him and you want to continue to cultivate that relationship, you know what's going to drive it? You're growing awareness of your need for him. Like the more that I study scripture, the more I, I, I engage in the spiritual disciplines, the more I bring him into my life, the more of an awareness he brings that I need him. Right? So, so you don't get proud and puffed up based upon that. You get proud and puffed up when it starts to become about the external things and it's no longer about your heart. I'm reminded of the words to the song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It's okay. No one's going to hurt you. You can, you can speak. If you don't know, that's cool. But I'm saying if you know it, oh, man, someone should be on the choir team. I once was lost. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. You guys, this man, let's not forget what happened here. This man is there. He's all alone. He's been kicked out of the very thing he was hoping his whole life to get into, right? He was the beggar. He was the one that was unqualified. He's the one who people looked at and said, nope, not you. You'll never get in there. You're a beggar. We've got a spot for you. Uh, you must have done something to deserve to earn this. Nope, that's where you belong. And then in one day, in one moment, he, he is healed. It's never been done, never been heard of in the history of humanity. And he's that guy. And there he is walking, look, and all of a sudden he's hit. Then he said again, It's my friends, my neighbors, my parents. And then it's the very people that I looked up to for guidance in my relationship with God with the ultimate blow, kicking me out of engaging in the very thing I desire more than anything, which is to engage with God, with other people, to come together. And so there he is, All alone in that spot. And then, man, that song, Amazing Grace, it just starts echoing in my mind because what happened? He didn't find himself. That's what culture would love to say. That's the message culture would love to preach. He didn't find himself, he didn't figure it out in that spot. It says, no, Jesus found him. Jesus found him. Guys, you may feel lost, you're not forgotten. You may spiritually be lost this morning here. In fact, given the size, some of you that are spiritually lost this morning, you're not forgotten. And you may have denied him over and over and over again. You're not forgotten. For some of you that say, man, well, I made this mistake or I did that and I I claim to be a Jesus follower and now he's turned his back on No, no, you're not forgotten. You're not forgotten. He loves you. And, And what I love about this is Jesus finished spiritually the work that he had begun Physically In this man, you guys, even if you're going through some major physical challenges in your life, hold on to the truth that God is doing something spiritually that is ultimately for his good. And, and, and it's amazing. It's his best. And so you can trust him. You can walk in that by the authority of Scripture. Over and over again, His Word has proven true. And by the heart, by the message, He says, "If you'll be open, if you'll acknowledge your continued thirst for Him, the continued blindness that we wrestle against, and 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 you'll depend on Him, knowing that you need that spiritual light daily as you go to battle, as you go to work, as you deal with these relationships that are challenging. Uh, you you will understand and know that." For Forgiveness can be felt, experienced by a perfect and holy God every day because he desires that. He desires to forgive you. And he and He found you. He found you. You didn't find you. He loves you so much. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. And that's it. That is everything. I pray that, man, that we're the church that people say, and this is going to sound weird, man, they're blind at Ecclesia. Yeah, we're, we're, we're blind in order to spiritually see the light. Yeah, well, I'll I'll be the blind guy in, in order to experience the light of Jesus, because I don't want to be the person thinking, man, I've got it together. I can see when in reality I'm operating blind, because the only other place to be than in that spot of grace and in that spot of being found is over there with the Pharisees, which was what? It was confusion. It was willful disobedience. It was a disconnect from an incredible God. And ultimately, their hearts were hardened to where they couldn't even see the reality in the greatest display of power in a situation no one had ever even heard of up until that point. If that's you, deal with what got you there. Come back to him. He didn't abandon you, just as he didn't abandon those Pharisees. He loves you so much. Let's pray.